0: Philanthropy Fridays on EVA Talks. Our special guest today is Yolanda Berkowitz. You probably know her as a well-known philanthropist in Miami. For years, she was the chairwoman for Voices for Children, and she's an avid animal rights activist. She founded the Friends of Miami Animals Foundation and is working with Miami-Dade Animal Services on ways to improve the lives of homeless pets. Yolanda, welcome to EVA Talks. Yolanda, this Valentine's Day, you organized a flight to rescue 55 at-risk shelter dogs and cats from Miami-Dade Animal Services shelter in Doral to be given a second chance at love and new forever homes on the East Coast. Tell us a little bit more about this project.
1: In the spirit of love and Valentine's Day, um, I worked with Wings of Rescue to move almost 50 dogs and cats from our open admission shelter to No-Kill Shelter, Brandywine Valley, SPCA in Delaware. The plan was really put into motion a few months ago when I was working with Rick Browdy and Wings of Rescue to help clear the shelter before Hurricane Irma to make room for the strays and abandoned animals that would no doubt show up at the shelter after the storm. So at the time I spoke with Rick and talked to him about the extraordinary needs of the shelter. It's an open admission shelter, which means they have to take any animal that comes their way. They're not able to turn animals away, and they have an intake of about 30,000 animals a year. So I we work very well together, and I... Uh, wanted to make a wonderful impression on him and try to bring him to our community. So I lobbied him to, um, you know, to work with us at some point that he had the ability to help us. So, uh, that's really how it came about. And it was a seamless project. It was really, uh, very fulfilling and rewarded. We took about 10% of the shelter animals out of the shelter. Unfortunately, they get another three or 400 a week, but that's how it started. It started, um, you know, working with the shelter to try to make room for the community's pets through, um, personally, and then through Friends of Miami Animals Foundation.
0: That's really an amazing work, and you continue to make such a difference in the community and such an example. Um, You are a very well-known philanthropist. Uh, For years, you were the chairwoman for Voices for Children, Uh, Obviously, you're an avid animals right activist, and you founded this organization, the Friends of Miami Animals Foundation. What is the biggest challenge for you to make people aware of how important it is to take care of our pets, to take care of animals that don't have a home?
1: Uh, The important thing, I think, is to take care of those in our community who can't take care of themselves. So through my work with Voices for Children and the Guardian and Program, Kids in Foster Care, I learned a long time ago that this underserved population, this at-risk population, doesn't get a lot of attention. So I think it's raising awareness, bringing it to the forefront, letting people know what the issues are and how easy it is to address them if we put our minds to it, really in any arena.
0: Philanthropy nowadays has an old-fashioned feeling about it. You know, it brings to mind, you know, wealthy people and foundations, gala events and everyone over 50 years old. And how can we bring the younger generations to get more involved in these community projects in making a difference?
1: I really like social media and while I am late to the party for many reasons including my age, I embraced it years ago as a way to raise awareness about things that I care about, that I want to make a difference in, and that I know people want to make a difference in. And what it's brought for me and for Voices for Children and Friends of Miami Animals Foundation is young people who learn about us or who follow us through friends or others, and they learn about what we're doing. So I think philanthropy is is exploding, and I'm hoping that these kids who are so social media savvy – Uh, and so creative and really so empathetic, um, you know, that that's the next level of philanthropy. I love the old vision of galas and fabulous wealth being thrown around to help underprivileged. What a great thing that is. But it really is about leveraging the power of the people to make a difference. And I think that's what philanthropy is. And I think social media is the key to that.
0: You are such a great supporter of your friends, Yolanda. You've always been there for everyone, uh, whether it is for a gala event, whether it's a project that one is doing, always being there for, for everyone. And if I would ask the closest person to you to describe you in one word, what would it be and why?
1: Uh, probably, uh, persistent.
0: You are persistent. (laughs) That's for sure.
1: I don't want to say relentless because I know when to walk away, but I when I believe in something, the only things you know, I support my friends and people that are doing good work in the community because that's really meaningful to me. And I only do things that are really meaningful to me. So if I'm asking for money or I'm asking for resources, I'm going to be persistent because I know that if I show you what a difference you can make and what a difference collectively we can make, that it's gonna make Everything stronger it's going to make it it grows your 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 effort grows your results grow so persistence is important I think that's probably the best word that you could use to describe
0: (laughs) um tell us a little bit about yourself where you were born uh you growing up as a child and then how life evolved for you
1: I was born in Cuba. My family came here on one of the last freedom flights. Um, I was raised in Chicago from 1967 to 76, moved down here. My poor mother, just before the, uh, the cocaine cowboys came in, <laughs> he brought us down to a sleepy Miami town, and that's when it started to explode. Um, so I've lived here most of my adult life. I've lived overseas and and worked in manufacturing and moved around a little bit, but when I needed to settle down in my mid thirties, I came back to Miami and this is really home. And this is, um, I think that my, uh, my drive is very much uh, a result of my Upbringing, my life experience. My family left everything in Cuba. We actually had things taken from us at the airport. They took all our personal possessions, dolls, pictures. um, Wow. And you know, so when I travel, Eva, I pack everything. I don't ever (laughs) want to need one thing. So um, I've been in Miami for a long time now, full time since 1995. And this is home. We spent some time in Maine, but um, this is a great city, you know, cosmopolitan, international, always evolving, dynamic. And um, so I, this is where my roots are. This is where, where i planted roots, I guess.
0: Right. And, you know, something I love about you is that you your husband, Jeffrey, and you have such a wonderful relationship, such a loving couple. And I love the hashtag that you usually use on social media, best husband ever. I best think... <laughs> <now>. <laughs> you know... Your relationship with him, how has that influenced everything that you have done? How long have you been married, by the way? We have
1: been together for 22 years, married, I think it'll be 16 this year. Um, You know what, Jeffrey, I've said this a few times, Jeffrey has really helped me to be the best version of myself because he's so supportive and he's so encouraging in so many ways, but he really expects the best. And whatever you do, if you're doing the best, I learned uh, early on that when I did something that disappointed him or I didn't get something done, I'd say, "Honey, I'm doing the best I can," because that's really all he wants. And so that has made me want to be the best version of myself. And I think you know that's why he's hashtag best husband ever because uh, you know he's dynamic, he's a lot of work, he's uh, you know busy man, he can be impatient, he can be uh exacting or demanding but uh he really has my back and he really just does nothing but prop me up in every way possible so that's why he's best husband (laughs) ever
0: that's truly amazing if you had a family slogan what would it be
1: I quote my brother who once said if you can't blow off your family who can you blow off. <laughs> so you know and that just means that if you can't do something that is almost unforgivable I mean right. you, know, you have to be able to be forgiven you know so so I think I think that's kind of my family slogan I've adapted it because adopted it because you know, my family's super forgiving and super tolerant, and um, you know, and life is busy and life is hectic, and we're all torn in a million directions. And so, to you know, to be able to say, "Hey, I can't." Come, actually, my mother's amazing. She'll call and say, "No, you don't have to come today. Stay home and relax." You know, take time for yourself so I think that's our
0: slogan it's so important love in the sense of the word it's so important nowadays with everything that is happening to love each other to forgive like you say it's so important in 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 this world that it, so much upheaval is going on and and to help each other and to be supportive and and you know those are amazing qualities that one has to continue to to work on because they don't they, sometimes we forget what love is all about and we forget how we have to treat others how would you describe your personal mission
1: i think to distill it down to you know sort of a someone said to me once well what difference does it make that you don't wear fur coats you know they still make them people still use them etc and right. i put my hand, my put my hands to my eyes and i said these are blinders and in my little world it's better because I don't kill animals to wear their fur. I get it. It's fine. I'm not judging. So really, I think that, you know, that's sort of what I hope is that in the world that I touch, in the world that I have my hands on or have an impact in or have relationships in, that I can make it better.
0: What would you recommend that people that want to get involved in non-for-profit organizations, what would be the basis for them getting involved and what should they expect and not expect?
1: I think anything that you're passionate about, that you feel strongly about, obviously is important. Um, I stumbled onto kids in foster care when I read an article about the need for representatives for them in court, advocates. I started to do it and I saw the impact that it had and I just could never walk away because it makes such a difference to, to abuse or neglect a child, to have someone speaking for them. So, you know, I stumbled onto that animal welfare. I've always been an animal lover, but I was following some social media accounts and saw, uh, you know, the abandoned animals at the shelter and animals run over by cars and animals getting killed. And I got involved in animal welfare. And so I think anything that that drives you, anything you're passionate about, um, you know, those are just two things that I'm active in. But supporting, you know, write a check to organizations, sign petitions, write letters. You can make a difference everywhere. You know, with this Parkland shooting and all of this gun legislation, all these issues, um, you know, look up everytown.org. Go on uh, the, you know, there are so many sites that will help you take a stand or lend your voice um, to things that are important to all of us that, Um, I think that's the thing to do, I think, is to get involved in anything you're passionate about. Do a little research, it's easy enough, and do a little, do a lot, but, um, you know, you can have an impact.
0: Absolutely, And, and you know that it's so easy to write a check, even if it's $20 or $5, whatever it is, whatever you can afford, but also, you know, when we avoid confronting what's going on in the world then we are blind we are blind of how we can also be an influence i mean you talk about the shooting but also you know the cruelty to animals how do you reconcile when you see you know how how vicious people are and they're they're, they're just hurting poor defenseless animals or even the kids uh, that are left abandoned or and and have no one to take care of them how do you reconcile that
1: You know, it's, I I don't know that there's any reconciliation. I think um, I, this, this parkland thing really took the wind out of my sails this week. It's made me feel like after 9-11, it hit so close to home and I had such a good day. We moved all of these animals out. Every television station interviewed everyone. The shelter was getting some recognition, Wings of Rescue, the foundation, everybody was on such a high. And I got home and turned the TV on and I saw this shooting and it just took everything away But, um, you know, I don't know that there's reconciliation. You know, I I look at things like cruelty to animals, like this guy in Lauderdale who who stabbed an animal 50 times. Wow. The rage and the anger and the lack of empathy you have to have to raise a knife to a living thing that many times is dangerous in the community. So um, there is no, you know, Jeff tells me when I have to put an animal down or when I lose an animal because I lost a lot of animals, he says to me, you have to think about the ones you save. I still suffer and uh, feel for the other ones because, you know, living things deserve protection and respect. So I don't know that there's reconciliation. If I think, you know, we just have to steel ourselves against the tragedies that we see around us all the time.
0: Definitely. What is the most important lesson you have learned in your life?
1: I think the hardest lesson is probably the reality that... Um, You know, we talk about getting involved in the community and doing things and being active and, and, you know, being as good as you can be and reaching out to those in need. I think that, you know, every day the sun comes up and every day I have to get up and I have to deal with things. And it's hard when you lose someone or it's hard when someone is sick or it's hard when you've had a loss. Um, But, you know, that's when you really have to step into your strength and into your power and into your commitment. Uh, And just keep walking. So I think, you know, the reality that, you know, life is hard and you just got to keep doing it. And um, for me, the more involved and impact I have, it makes me feel better about those hard things and the challenges we face every day, you
0: know? Absolutely. And, you know, I think that violence in any form or way is unacceptable. And we shouldn't, you know, turn our heads to one side and just look at the anguish of, like in this shooting, you see the mom that spoke on national television, you know, crying out of, you know, the anguish and the pain. And we we forget that. How it feels when you lose somebody in such tragic circumstances, and we forget what it is to see an animal in pain because someone has decided to turn their rage towards them. And if you would wish for people to have a different vision of things, what would it be? Because sometimes we promote things, we put things on social media, we are aware of it, but there's something that is missing because if not, there would be a a gun control law and and reform, you know, people that are cruel to animals would actually be in jail. I see some of the posts that you put and I'm like, it cannot be possible that the people responsible are not in jail and not out there just to harm anybody else. Because once you harm a pet, an animal, you are able to harm anybody.
1: Well, this man in Fort Lauderdale who stabbed this dog 50 times, I didn't follow the news and I have to verify it. So I will tell you that this is a quantified statement. Um, But I read on social media this morning that he's getting off pretty easy. And, you know, one of the things that worries me when you have shootings like we had this week is that there tend to be copycats after, uh, maybe not as successful, maybe not as violent. But, you know, I, I just worry that these things inspire other disturbed and and you know, harmed individuals. Um, But you're right, it's a danger in our community. And um, I don't think that our legislators and elected officials um, take it seriously enough, whether they don't want to or they don't have resources to do it, and it's up to us. Uh, You know, I've seen things turn uh, towards justice when people have become outraged and a lot of people have become involved. So we can make an impact, and um, I'm going to follow this story and see if, in fact, this guy is getting out. But, you know, one of the things that I'm trying to work on with the shelter, ultimately, in the state attorney's office is the cruelty piece. Um, Right. They just passed an ordinance in Dade County where someone adjudicated guilty of animal abuse in any form, I think. You can't quote me on the wording, but there's a registry created So it's very preliminary. It's going to take a while to figure out how it's going to be implemented, what it's going to hold, who's going to manage it, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, you do things incrementally. You make people accountable. We have to stand up for each other, right? Isn't that sort of what you're saying? Yes, we have to stand up.
0: And we cannot just use whatever happens to feel good about ourselves because we sent a check or we posted something on social media or we are just outraged. We have to text. I know you put that post on, on Instagram yes. let's yes. text let's you know be out there we just can't use it as a conversation piece and don't do anything about it because then like you say it doesn't make a difference and then when it happens to you then you're outraged and then you're like where is everybody yes. helping then
1: you're like that mother yeah so
0: you're I'm, like that mother yeah
1: so if, if you go to every town www.everytown.org which is the organization founded after the Newtown shooting of all those young innocent children and teachers Uh, I got an alert, every town alert. Florida lawmakers respond to Parkland school shooting by trying to allow guns into schools. Wow. Reply, call to urge lawmakers to oppose. I I mean, how is that possible? So so that's what you're saying. You know what, do something. Now I'm going to look and see who I call, and I'm going to call. I'll take 15 minutes of my day, and I'll make a phone call. And listen, if I don't make an impact, I don't make an impact. But again, in my little world... I tried to do something. So I think we all have to do that. And, um, you know, I do a lot, a lot of rescue. The reason I started the foundation is because Jeffrey said, look, you can't fund all of this yourself. You really, you have to raise some money for this. Um, but I, and I can't tell you how many times I'm asked to save an animal. I'm tagged people send me messages and I've started to say, yeah, you know what? I'll help you with the animal, but it's going to be $5,000 in medical care. Um, you know, raise it. You said twenty dollars. I watched Eddie at Black Jaguar White Tiger raise fifty, sixty thousand in a matter of days on fifteen and twenty dollar donations. So, if enough people care, you know, we can make a difference by writing, by making contributions. But we have to take action. We cannot be passive in our life.
0: What is the most well, important think- advice uh, that you have received?
1: You give me This is a hard question, the most important advice I've ever received. <laughs> my poor mother, I still remind her, when I was a young child, my brother was getting picked on, and I went out and defended him. And I can't, of course I did, you know me. Oh, I,
0: I know you. I, I wouldn't doubt it for one <laughs> second.
1: <laughs> I came in crying, and you know what I said? You yeah. started it, you finish it. So, <laughs> as a teenager, when I rebelled, I said, you taught me, that I am responsible for my actions and therefore I am willing to take this action <laughs> and I am willing to pay the price. So that's probably the the, the the you know good lesson that I learned, right?
0: Right. Who would you like to meet that you haven't um, met that inspires you?
1: You know what? I would have liked to have met someone like John Lennon. And I'm talking in my generation without mm-hmm. going back to, you know, getting too heavy with it. Right. Uh, he was creative. He fell madly in love and sacrificed everything for it. He produced amazing works f- throughout his life. He lived life on his terms. Um, he's just such an inspiration in so many ways. I mean, I, I'm a big Beatle fan, but but just off the top of my head, you know, someone like that, you know, someone who just lived, you know, marched to their own drummer and was productive and was good. And sadly mowed down by gun, by gun also.
0: You're such an inspiration, Yolanda, to everybody. And I hope that the people that are listening to us can, can really go and get involved. And what they hear, your passion, your persistence and your drive, they can actually think that they can also be like you. And be better than you, because that's what life is all about. I thank you, Yolanda, for your time, for being part of this podcast. And I hope that we can continue to raise awareness. And you know that I'm here to help and, uh, and to support your causes. Such a, an amazing woman. If people could only meet you and they could get that feeling of how caring and wonderful you are, I'm sure they would get more and more involved.
1: Thank you. Well, I'm doing something really fun. Dave Barry has a new book coming out called Life Lessons with Lucy, which is about his dog. He's learned from his dog that uh, to have fun, to not hold grudges and many other things. And when he does his book tour, I'm going to have him speak at the shelter. Great. So, yeah. Yeah. I think that'll be fun. Dave Barry dogs and um, the shelter. <laughs> what could be better?
0: Sounds great. It's a date. Thank you, Thank you Yolanda.
1: Thank you so much. Have a good afternoon.